0: Hey there, Polyam fam. We are going to provide a very special announcement at the beginning of this episode.
1: Yay! So
0: that everyone's aware of what's going on. As I may have mentioned in some of our previous podcasts... I think so. My youngest daughter is pregnant. Yeah. And she was coming up to her due date.
1: Yeah, I think she's a week and so many days out.
0: Yeah, and... As of Sunday afternoon, she is no longer pregnant. She is a proud mother of a young baby boy. Yeah. So.
1: A whole, let's see, what was he? Six pounds, 13 ounces, and and 20.5 inches long.
0: Yep. He is a fully formed human (laughs) being. Ten
1: fingers, ten toes, and a full head of old man hair. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So with that said, it's really cool that that happened the way it did because we recorded this episode on parenting two weeks ago week yeah we so did it now. in advance we did it a little bit ago and then it just so happened that this young man was born right before the episode <laughs> aired <laughs> Ta-da. so it's a fun little lead-in for us and it kind of gives me a little extra special feel for this episode
1: yeah
0: with that said This conversation that you are going to be taking part of was actually quite a bit longer than we anticipated when we were recording.
1: Apparently there's a lot to say about parenting and polyamory. There really is.
0: (laughs) So what we're going to do is we're going to turn this into a two-part episode. You're going to get part one now, and then next week you'll get to finish hearing what we had to say about parenting. Yeah. We might even throw in a little extra stuff. On that episode just in case we might not at any rate this this conversation will be cut abruptly at some point and you'll pick it up the next week
1: yep so we hope you enjoy and we can just say happy birthday to a beautiful baby boy yeah hello polyam fam and welcome to talk your Polly off presented by ILovePolly.org.
0: This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships,
1: your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda. The logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off.
0: Hello, polyam fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off. I'm Monsuda.
2: And I'm Bella. I'm Lily.
0: And we're here to do just that. We're gonna talk your poly off. (laughs) So what are we going to talk about today?
2: I think we're supposed to talk about parenting today. Parenting. Kiddos.
0: Parenting. How that
2: works in poly World. The joys of parenting.
0: I think this is cool because the podcasts that I listen to about polyamory don't seem to really do any focus on parenting. And that seems to be one of the many discussion points in a lot of the online groups is how do we polyamory and parent at the same time
2: yeah i would agree with that it's pretty common to find information on a lot of other poly topics but not a lot of people are talking about polyparenting.
0: right and it's tough because just like polyamory in relationships there are so many different ways to parent that mm-hmm. trying to get a definitive word on it is kind of like i don't know trying to catch mosquitoes with a <laughs> tennis racket
1: i don't know Well, I think it's definitely one of those things, again, Bella here being the only non-parent in the crew. I think it's one of those things where most of the time I don't think people are looking for how-to. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. think there's like, how do I do this? I think it's more, what's your experience been? Have you had good experiences? Has it been negative? Like, what... What have your kids reacted well to? Just looking for some shared experiences in things right? It versus does, a how-to guide.
2: It does kind of play into a how-to guide when you word it like that. Like, we're all looking for how does it work? How right. do you do it? How do I do this successfully? Um, not as so much a, a blueprint, but more of a guidebook.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: And, again, like in the groups, all sorts of questions come up on how to parent mm-hmm. or... What's the best way to do this? Or what happens when I encounter this scenario that I never would have had to encounter in a monogamous environment? Right. So we're not going to be able to tackle the entirety of polyamory parenting in one podcast episode. You'll probably hear a few more episodes Mm -hmm. on it, and we still won't tackle it all. I think books and books could be written about this subject. Probably. Sure.
2: And it's one of those things, if we touch on a topic but don't dive into it super deep, if you guys are interested in hearing more about a certain avenue of polyparenting, let's know.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: One thing I do want to say before we start off is that before we go pretty into the whole polyparenting thing, polyparenting definitely looks different to everyone, and you should always do what's best for you and yours.
1: Absolutely. Right. Don't take anyone's word as the Bible when it comes to poly or, or parenting. <laughs>
0: right. yeah. S- specifically you and yours, meaning you and your children. Yes. And we'll get into what I mean by that as we go along. But that does bring about a thing that I want to point out really quick before we continue also, is the other very real and super important point to mention is that parenting is obviously a big deal, And there are many laws to manage and protect and to secure households for children different states and countries are going to have different laws affecting parents and children regardless of what we talk about in this episode we strongly urge you to get familiar with your local resources to better understand what you may face whether that's attorneys school districts whatever the case may be department social and health services Make sure that you understand what your obstacles are in your area before just taking the advice of random podcast strangers.
1: Right. <laughs> or any internet stranger just, online. We are not
2: right. any kind of authority. So. Right.
0: Well, I mean, in a way we are. I know that I have raised multiple children.
2: Hmm, that's true. I'm
0: now a grandparent. You're raising children. I am
1: raising I've children. I've been a child. Yay. You have
0: You have the most authority. I am still a child! Oh, and in life.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but we may, be, we may be authorities in parenting, but we're not necessarily authority in how to address parenting in the legal system. That's true. Right? So always get a hold of your local resources before you get too confident that what you read online was okay. Right. Right. Even if it's not in a group or in an article. I mean, like, articles are written all the time as a generalization, Mm -hmm. but they don't talk about the specifics of middle of nowheresville, Kentucky, or, you know, what have you. So be aware of what you got around you.
1: So so, with all that said,
0: yeah, let's talk about this.
1: Well, I was kind of, I was thinking as I was brainstorming, again, not being the go-to person for parenting advice, I was thinking about what types of dynamics we see in the poly world Mm-hmm. Where kids and parenting and family styles come up, right? That's okay. a good spot to start. Okay. Some of the, I don't know if you want to dive into each of these, there's four different types that I kind of came up with. So there's the existing two parents who have their kids, they've got their family structure, they're monogamous, and then they open up. Okay. So they've already got their, their kids <laughs> pre made. <laughs> Huh. Okay.
2: A starter pack. It's a right.
1: ready to mix. Ready pack, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they open up for the first time with their kids. Then we've got like the nesting couple and they're they're together, they're dating, then they so they're monogamous while dating or maybe they're poly couple, but it's just the two of them nesting together. Then they have kids and open up.
0: So they could be fully polyamorous with multiple partners all dating. But they're the nesting couple.
1: Right. They're the okay. nesting couple. Then maybe you've got like the triad quad, multiple polycule spokes okay. happening, whether it's three, four, five, six, fifteen, 15, whatever your dynamic looks like in your relationship structure. Um, and then maybe they decide to all have mixed kids together. Right. Let's just take a quad, you know, two right. couples and the guys are going to have kids with both women. And the women are going to have kids with both men, and it's all mixed, one big happy family. Right. And then I think of my situation, where it's more solo poly or a single person entering into a relationship with someone with kids.
0: Okay. I think those are really good ways of looking at it. Let's start with the monogamous couple with the pre-made family (laughs) pack, who have decided to open up as polyamory. Okay. We have a couple different aspects of that. First is you will have the people who don't want their children to know. So then there's always so-and-so is hanging out, Mm -hmm. and he's just a close family friend. Right.
2: Sometimes they'll call them uncle or (laughs) auntie or something like that. Right.
0: But they don't quite go into allowing the kids to understand that there's relationships happening that are potentially intimate or the same relationship that daddy has with mommy sort of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that probably depends, too, on the age of the kids. You know, are you going to tell your teenager, oh, yeah, that's my girlfriend, but not your three-year-old?
0: No, because as a parent yeah. of a wide age range, you tell one kid, they all know. They
2: <laughs> all know. <laughs> That's With why, no secrets. right? <laughs> once the beans are spilled, it's out.
0: That's why once one of your kids learns the truth about Santa Claus,
2: it's all <laughs> over. of them do. It's <laughs> over
0: because they are little conspirators, <laughs> and they will talk mm-hmm. about you yeah. behind your back, <laughs> and they will conspire to overthrow the ruling class that is mom and dad
2: the
1: people in charge of the cookies yes
0: yes
2: i'm glad to know that that's true across the board and it's not just my kids oh
0: 100 (laughs) now with that said so let's start let's start simple because i think that a lot of people especially if they're opening up to polyamory and you know they're just exploring maybe it's a couple looking for a unicorn or that sort of thing or a couple looking for another couple something Mm -hmm. like that They're not ready to talk to their kids about that sort of thing in general. Sure. And so the kids are going to be totally oblivious. They're not going to be told. And it's usually going to be the oldest child who deduces. And
1: figures it out.
0: (laughs) That there's something else going on. Mommy's
1: really close to him. Right. Right. He keeps touching her leg.
0: (laughs) Right. And the next thing you know, the oldest child's going to go to the other parent and is like, I don't know if I should say this. Right but this is happening Mm -hmm. and that's when that talk has to happen
2: Mm -hmm. you also have to gauge too if you want to give your kids a heads up like if you want to be preemptive about it right because there can also be a level of shock too if their kids see what might appear to be mom or dad with another person in an intimate way like do you want to kind of brace them for that or do you want to let it all happen organically that sort of thing well that brings
1: up Monsuda, how old are your kids
0: Older than me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They're old
1: souls. (laughs) How old are your kids? And did you tell them before you and your wife started doing this path? Did you tell them or did it come out later after they realized you were close to friends?
0: So my youngest daughter is 18. Oh, really quick, before we get into this, I do want to mention that through the course of this episode and potentially any other parenting episode that we have, when we're discussing family units... You'll often hear us refer to them in a way that's familiar with the nuclear family, right? You have the mother and the father and the children. Mm -hmm. We understand that there could be two fathers or Mm -hmm. two mothers. Absolutely. It could be that the parents have their own designation based on their gender identity. So all we're doing is using generalizations. We're not trying to stereotype. Please take the time, if you so choose, to, to substitute... Any of the words that we choose for words that better fit your family. Yes. Yes. Okay. My youngest daughter is 18. Mm-hmm. My son is 22. And my oldest daughter is 27.
1: Okay. And did you tell them before or after you started Friends with Benefiting? Well, that's
0: that's a tough one because I started Friends with Benefiting when my oldest daughter was two. So what she saw... And I was recently separated from my first wife. Yeah. What she saw is that dad had a lot of friends <laughs> and was often very close to the girls.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: And it wasn't out of the ordinary. It's something that she grew up understanding.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There that was initial no conversation.
1: aspect. She just witnessed it. Well, all. she was two. She right, was three. Right. It was At just that time, I was like, she doesn't being. know. Yeah. You know,
0: I'd refer to him as, you know, just. Dad's friends, or dad's close friends, mm-hmm. or a girl that dad likes, yeah. or what have you. And that was okay. As time went on, I went through a monogamous phase, and when I re-emerged back into my non-monogamous lifestyle, my youngest daughter, I think, was six-ish, we'll just go with that, and... The way that I generally operate almost looks like relationship anarchy anyway. Yeah. I'm very close with my friends. uh,
1: And you're affectionate. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
0: And so when I would have friend get togethers, and I didn't hide stuff from my kids. Mm -hmm. So if they saw me making out, for lack of a better term, with someone who's not mom. They just kind of know that that's what dad is like. and
1: (laughs) That's what dad does. (laughs) And and
0: all friends are there, and all friends happily consent. And And they
1: saw that mom was okay with it.
0: Yeah, because mom would usually be right there.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So,
0: for the way that I operate, I was was very much an open book for my kids. Mm -hmm. I didn't care if they were 6 or 16. If I'm doing something and they have questions, they always know that they can ask. If... I feel like I need to explain something to them because they might seem like they're being a little awkward. I'll take them to the side and I'll talk with them. Uh, Same thing happened when my oldest daughter was first learning about cigarettes. She had a friend at 12 years old who was starting to smoke and she needed to talk to me about this serious thing. She didn't want to get in trouble. She just asked if we could have a conversation and we did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I've always done it horror movies, sex on TV. Like, I don't think any of it's going to turn my kid into some depraved maniac. Right,
1: right. right. So you were just open with your behavior, didn't hide anything, and then waited for them to have questions or look like they might have questions. Mm -hmm. You didn't sit them down with a, here's daddy's lifestyle, let me lay it all out for you. I mean, I eventually did. I
0: think there for a while, again, when I was reemerging as non-monogamous, I didn't really have all the... Terminology that comes with polyamory. So I didn't think that, oh, maybe I should explain to them what compersion is or, you know, what a a triad is, because I wasn't quite there on my lexicon yet. (laughs) Great. So I basically would just talk to them about how how my friendships operate and how sometimes it's similar and how sometimes it's different than romantic relationships. Right. Mm And kind of let them make some decisions on their own based on that. Right. I did get to a point where once I fully had a grasp on how I planned to non-monogamy, I did sit them all down. And I said, look, here's what this is. And really, it doesn't mean much for you guys, with the exception of you might see me with new people that I'm more intimate with or that I treat more like your mother... And you might see your mother have new people that she would treat more like she treats me. Mm -hmm. And we had some conversations and everything was cool. And they were pretty much like, yeah, we know. We've (laughs) watched you already. (laughs) Big deal. It's not news. So that's how I've done it. And that's far different than how a lot of people do. Yeah.
2: Sure.
1: Well, so then I want to ask Lily. Mm -hmm. How many kids, how old are they and have you had that kind of a talk?
2: Sure. So my kids are a lot younger. I have four children. They are 10, 8, 5, and 3. And no, we have not had the conversation. As I am currently monogamish, but there's actually a level of complexity to my being poly along with my divorce. Right. When I was in the process of getting divorced, I was not officially poly. I was practicing non-monogamy. And my ex husband somehow convinced me to agree to a clause in our parenting agreement with our divorce that there had to be a level of commitment before I could introduce a new partner to my children. Oh, interesting. So I can understand why he did that to protect our kids. Mm-hmm. At the same time it makes my dating life really difficult and I have to keep it very private until I reach a point where I'm going to add someone and I actually have to check with my divorce decree to see if there's any issue with me having my kids meet a second partner.
1: Right, interesting. Huh. Okay. So I could see how that would be difficult for a partner, you know, if you're especially not doing, if you aren't going to do hierarchy type structures. For them to feel as important Mm -hmm. as someone who would be considered a primary partner.
2: In a way, it kind of feeds into the hierarchical relationship that I have with Dee Mm -hmm. and why that works for us so well, because then it does mean that anybody else who else comes in segues into that role appropriately. Right. Because of our hierarchical relationship, the nesting partner aspect of it does make our relationship easier to explain to my children.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Okay. So... Do you feel like at any point in your journey since opening up that your kids might have seen or caught on to any of your polyamorous lifestyle?
2: I believe that my second child was catching on a bit to my ethical non-monogamy as mom had several friends who would pick her up from the house, or at Mm -hmm. least a few, or... Where are you going tonight, Mom? Oh, I'm going out with friends. And them being like, you have a lot of friends. (laughs) Yep. What are their names? What do they look like? Show me pictures of them. That kind of thing. The only picture
0: I got still on Tinder. (laughs) (laughs)
2: It's true. Like, oh, we're not that close yet.
0: Right. (laughs) I don't know their name yet. Give me two hours.
2: (laughs) After drinks, if I remember. Right. I may not know it.
0: (laughs) Well, and you bring about a pretty interesting point with the fact that through a divorce Mm -hmm. and through a partner who's no longer 24-7 with the children now has to find a way to still be that protector type or Mm -hmm. be making sure that the children are okay and the Mm -hmm. children are safe. And while on one hand, it could be a manipulative situation, on the other hand... I understand that aspect because Mm -hmm. as a parent, I want to make sure that my kids are okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Now, if I'm with a partner for so many years and I trusted their judgment for so many years, Mm -hmm. maybe I won't get too anal about it. Right. But that's not always the case and that's life. So I do think that in some ways that kind of agreement, as long as it's a mutual agreement, would be beneficial for divorcees in the aspect that NRE Mm
2: -hmm. plays
0: hell on a person. It
2: does.
0: You get in a new relationship, you are head over nuts over this person, and you just want them in every aspect of your life, and you want them to do this, and you want them to be that, and you want to introduce them. And then, even if you're being cautious as a parent you may still want to introduce them maybe a little prematurely to your children. Mm -hmm. And maybe this person also, this new person is not putting on the true face that you'll see two years down the road. And so you're introducing this new person to your children, and then later this person becomes maybe a bad scenario. So whether it's monogamous or polyamorous, if it's mutually agreed upon and it isn't coerced in any way... I think an agreement like that is actually kind of a good idea for the sake of the children.
2: I can agree with that if it's not, or if it's a mutual decision. Right, right. I I can agree with that. I was going through a severe amount of PTSD at the time. It was kind of manipulatory Mm -hmm. in the way that it was presented. And because I was so desperate to get it over with and get out of there, I may have agreed to a few things under duress that I regret in the long run, but I do understand how they can benefit my children now. And so it's like, now I can appreciate where they were trying to go with that. And I can appreciate the protection level that it brings my children. And
0: and on the other hand, I did mention that, oh, if I was with this person for so many years, then I can trust their judgment in general when I'm getting past my ego or my butt hurt or whatever. Mm-hmm. With that said, if... I'm trying to employ this kind of tactic a manipulative manner then maybe I'm not the person that this partner trusted for so many years. So yes, people do change and nothing's ever guaranteed. Right.
1: So I just wanted to cover like your guys' situation yeah. so people understand that while well, of course Bella doesn't have the kids, <laughs> there's a range of ages. You've got some older kids, mm-hmm. you've been through this, you've been doing it longer. Lily's newer, and her kids, her kids are newer. <laughs> that new, new, right? And there's a married situation with a divorce situation, so you guys have some very different experiences on the poly parenting. Oh yeah. Sides.
2: Yeah. Well, and I have to ask you too, Bella. Yeah. What has you been your experience with Polly and children? Because I know you don't have any kids, right. but I know you've been around kids.
1: Yeah. Uh. Well, it's a, a little bit of really just coming into people's relationships with kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a boyfriend, and we were ultimately unicorn hunting at that point. And he had a two-year-old son. We were together for two years, and by the time he was four, I mean, those are formative years, from Mm -hmm. two to four. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so we were together for two years. So from two to four, I was that kid's stepmom, so to speak. And... I mean, I can remember sitting in bed with him while he was discovering his wiener. <laughs> and I was like, child, you need to go to the bathroom and do that. Don't grab your wiener in front of me. Go talk to your dad. <laughs> and then, you know, that relationship ended it was heartbreaking. And I don't get to see anything about that kid and what he's growing into these days. I have no idea. And then... I also was dating a couple and then the the husband and I ended up breaking up and it was just me and the wife. And I lived with them and they had two kids and they were like preteen ages when we got together, a boy and a girl. And I was with them for two and a half years or so. Watched those kids go from like 11 to 13 and like 13 to 15. So those were really formative years too. And I went to like their middle school choir concerts or their band concerts or whatever it was. I was there to pick them up on things after things. I was there when their son threw a controller at the TV and broke it And I was babysitting them, not babysitting them, but I was the, the adult that was home with them. And he came running down the stairs, all sorts of upset and in tears. Do we have to tell my mom? Like, oh my God, I'm so upset. And I was like, yeah. So like I was there, I was parenting.
2: So I do have to ask when those relationships ended, was it difficult to leave the children? It was
1: awful. It was horrible. Especially that second relationship with the two teenagers when that ended, there were not-so-nice things going on. So, all of a sudden, the dad was like, oh, the kids can't have any contact with her. So I couldn't be friends with them on Facebook. I couldn't, you know, go to their school things with their mom. You know, like, I I couldn't, again, cut off from everything. So even though, sure, they're not my kids, and I was only around them for two plus, a little over two years, all of a sudden, it had to be like they didn't exist anymore.
0: Well, I remember that. That was pretty frustrating because I watched that whole thing go down, and... You were the best of the three parents at that time. I
1: think at that time, I was around a lot more.
2: Yeah.
0: There was even a time, I don't know if you remember this, but that one summer, the other parents were so busy trying to date that they forgot about their kids, and you and I took care of the kids for uh, a day or two, Yeah. and they wanted to do all the stuff, and the parents didn't, and we went out and got a pool, and we took them out to dinner, and- Oh, yeah. You remember that? Yeah. I don't remember
1: the the exact circumstances, but... It
0: was was because they were so... They were really attention-starved at that moment. (laughs) Yeah, and the kids just needed parental guidance.
1: Right. Yeah. And it was, you know, at that point in time, the dad was so focused on his own self-journey, and the mom was super wrapped up in her dating life, and... To be fair, they were heading into a divorce. Like, they were, it was not good. So, their relationship was falling apart. And so, they were just really wrapped up in their lives. They were also young parents, which I know, Monsuda, you can understand. So, they played Diablo and stuff on their computers when the oldest one was born. And so, they weren't there as emotionally and educationally as maybe they should have been from the start. And I think they felt a lot of guilt with that. Mm -hmm. So then it turned into a lot of here, kid, have whatever you want now, because we feel bad for when you were a kid, Mm -hmm. but they didn't give the attention. It was just giving him stuff that he wanted.
0: Well, and I think this goes into a good discussion point on when you are polyamorous with children and you want to date, if you're not careful, You're forgetting that you have little people (laughs) that need you and rely on you. And this is a pitfall I've seen in various life paths of polyamorous people where they're so focused on how do I line up my next three dates or what am I going to do or who am I going to meet that their kids kind of fall by the wayside. And I've seen it happen a few times and it's kind of heartbreaking.
1: Well, and... Being the outsider, being the non-parent coming in, and you're dating someone, and you're serious, and you're nesting together with them, but you're not the parent, mm-hmm. you can't tell the parent they're doing something wrong. If I was to ever say, you guys really aren't giving them enough attention, oh, like you parents. can't tell a parent right. how to parent. Right. It's just not going to go over well, even yeah. if you're right. doesn't matter. You can't yeah. tell the parent that they're wrong.
0: Yeah. Well, so, and that goes so almost That's
1: horrible to watch. Yeah, and
0: it's almost like a parenting hierarchy. Yeah, mm-hmm. where these parents, were the biologicals and they've raised the kids f- pretty much on their own, now you're coming into this relationship and they want you to have all the freedoms and all of this and all of that and they want you to feel comfortable knowing that if you need to handle the kids, you're more than welcome to, but what they don't want is to hear how they need to take accountability for their actions from someone who's stepped in and they've done all the hard work in the beginning that's another tough scenario and that's we talk about relationship hierarchy all the time Mm -hmm. in polyamory but what we don't really talk
1: about is parenting hierarchy Mm -hmm. and that's a huge thing that's probably something we can go into more in a bit totally well and you know, even with that same polycule of people that I was involved with, eventually down the line, the husband ended up with a new girlfriend. And her she had two kids. And her style of parenting was very different than his, was very different than his wife's. So everyone started having opinions on things. And now you've got four kids in the same house with a husband, his wife, and his girlfriend. And they've all got differences in opinions on discipline and just all sorts of things like fundamental core values for parenting were very different. Right. Yeah. It was very difficult to watch.
0: <laughs> and that that's a huge thing is the fundamental values. Like discipline is usually one of the biggest things that come up. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a wide range of discipline styles, like the one you were talking about. I don't recall specifically what the discipline style of the Your girlfriend and her husband was a side of kind of avoidance, but the girl that he got involved with didn't believe in discipline at all.
1: So the girl I was dating and her husband, when the kids were young, the husband beat the crap out of them. Which Uh,
0: is not a parenting style.
1: Don't, Don't, yeah. I don't recommend that parenting style. And don't get me wrong, I'm not like on either side like i was spanked as a kid whatever sure. it was fine i even had took a wooden spoon or two granted <laughs> i really like impact play now <laughs> Is that what you do? <laughs> but keeping that separate on this episode <laughs> <laughs> but yes so the husband from what i've been told all secondhand, when the kids were young because it was how he was raised mm-hmm. um was a big spanker he took a hand to the kids all the time as they got older and the mom started to realize, this isn't so good. My kid flinches when you're around and raise your voice. They changed it and then it turned into timeouts or no time on the, the video console, whatever it turned into. Uh, so they went drastic from one end to just timeout type of situations. When the new girlfriend came in with her parenting style, it was, there's basically no discipline. It was, I'm just going to get down on their level and explain why this isn't okay. And eventually they're going to understand me. So like her daughters would be having a screaming fit and there was no timeout. I don't care if it's 30 second timeout. I don't care whatever it is. There was no timeout. There was no... um, Harsh tones. Harsh, yeah, there was... was, voices. No, none of it. It was literally just, I'm going to come sit at your level and I'm going to explain to you at your voice why this isn't okay. And after doing this enough times, you're eventually going to understand me.
0: And that style might work.
1: And it might work for some kids and not others. it might work for
0: some kids and not others. But when you have two different parents or two different groups of parents coming together Mm -hmm. and then having to learn this, you've got one set of children who are never disciplined. You have another set of children who may have come from maybe a heavy-handed family. Mm -hmm. Now you, as the adults, have to figure out how this goes forward from here. Because then otherwise you're creating extra standards Mm -hmm. like these children don't get disciplined but you're used to maybe a swat on the butt so you're still going to get that that's going to build resentment in the children sure and that's going to create differences and that's going to create divides that are going to make this four parent thing a lot more difficult to do
1: yeah and Mm -hmm. then it was also really interesting in that particular household for me to witness again as the non-parent with all these other parents and kids in the house Uh, watching the new relationship with the younger two kids take more attention. Mm. So then the older two kids ended up being the built-in babysitters, right? So then they were, all of a sudden, they've got these two new siblings in the house, and now all I am is your babysitter. You don't read to me at night. You don't do anything for me at night. There's no me time. I'm just your built-in babysitter.
0: Well, and I think that's where... A potential for NRE right could cause some damage to the children to the familial if dynamic. not paid attention to
1: right right so just to wrap up my experience <laughs> after that household that's when I moved in with Monsuda. and his kids were older mm-hmm. so by the time I moved in with him he had a sixteen year old fifteen turning sixteen year old daughter. And I think your son was 18. Are they two years apart? Three years?
0: They're three years apart. Three years.
1: So if she was 15, he was 18, turning 19 that year. Left in the household. So I went from little two-year-old in the relationship to some pre-teens to some later in teens. Yeah. And then, of course, he's got his older daughter. Like parenting. Yeah. So it was really interesting. I just sped up the whole process. (laughs) And he's got his adult daughter who already had two kids of her own. Right. So I jumped into a relationship at... Thirty-four. Ta-da! Now you're like a step-grandparent.
2: <laughs> I'm also almost like a step-grandparent. Uh, D has two grandkids. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. It was kind of weird. I was like, I've never parented, but here's the next generation.
2: Yeah. <laughs> his mom actually sent a gift to his oldest daughter that was from all three of us, and she's like, "What do you want to be called?" I was like. I have not picked out a grandparent name yet, but I think I'm going to go by Nana in 15, 20 years. Right, (laughs) right. So she put from Grandpa and Nana and Great-Grandma, and I was just like,
1: it feels wrong. Yeah, and I think his grandkids (laughs) just call me Bella. Yeah. They just just call me Bella.
0: And this is another great stepping into the next point of our conversation. Simple stuff as far as parenting goes. What names do you throw out there right. in my scenario with a wife? I didn't have someone for the longest time that was close enough to where I could be like, this is so-and-so, she's got a role similar to mom. And even if I did, what would I give that role a title of? A lot of people might not even need titles, but if that's mm-hmm. a thing, how, how can you title without causing extra confusion?
1: Right. Well, and even just in our situation with the grandkids, I'm, I don't want to take anything away from grandma. You right. know, I, I don't call me grandma. That's <laughs> that's your wife. She's grandma. So that was where, you know, maybe Nana. But I just I just stuck with Bella and
2: mm-hmm. they're four and five, five and six. Yeah. Something four like that five. now. And yeah, I went with that name because it's traditional. I'd be the yeah. third generation of that in my family. So that was always that was always going to be my grandma name. Okay, well,
0: with, yeah, go ahead.
2: With D, him coming in in almost a step parent kind of role, because I do have my ex-husband. Um, my kids keep asking me, like, what do we call him? Is he our stepdad? What is he? I say he's mom's boyfriend, and that's kind of where we've left it for now. Okay. Yeah. My second daughter did get him a stepdad. Ornament for our Christmas oh, tree. She's like, they didn't have mom's boyfriend, so well, I got this one. Well, that's cute. <laughs> It was, that's really, really, it was cute. really sweet. That's cute. With my
1: going from, like, skipping age gaps mm-hmm. with it, I haven't watched a kid grow up fully. So at this point, your youngest daughter, who was 15, and she's going to be 19 this year, has been, like, the longest amount of time I've helped raise a kid. <laughs> Air quotes. <laughs> But I remember when I came in, again, not having any experience with kids that age, man, the attitude of a 15-year-old girl, right? And so then it was like, I have to prove myself to her. She's protecting her dad, like... We sat down and I can remember we were playing cards or like kittens in a blender or yeah. something. And I was like, <laughs> how can I help her in this game in any way possible? Who does she want to kill? I'll kill them for her. Like, what can I do to suck up to this child <laughs> so everything's okay? It's
2: very similar with the three-year-old in yeah. Oh,
1: man.
0: My <laughs> girls are super protective. They want to make sure dad's taken care of. Yeah. Especially my oldest one. I think that someone does me wrong, she will knife them.
1: <laughs> well, her and I hit it off pretty easily.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah.
1: that that one was okay. I wasn't too worried about her.
0: You should have seen her. There has been a time or two where she did not approve of a potential partner or a new partner of mine. Yeah. And there was some discussion. <laughs> and I was not involved. Right.
1: <laughs> right.
0: And she pretty much laid down the law. And she's not so nice. She's usually like, look. You fuck with my dad, and it's on.
1: Right. Well, and so once I was okay with the youngest daughter, and I knew the oldest daughter was going to be fine, and your son was pretty cool at that point. He didn't really care. Yeah, he's chill. I was like, okay, I'm good. However, her and I did butt heads a little bit because I don't know how to parent. I haven't had... She might be 15. I haven't had 15 years of learning how to do things, how to to word things Mm -hmm. or whatnot. So... I know one of the last big blow-ups when I had basically tried to tell her to knock it off with the dirty looks and ro- <laughs> eye-rolling kind of things, and the way that I had said it and the way it came out was probably not the most parental because it was more of a friendship level. But she did still see me as a parental role, so then she got upset with how I said that, sure. and it turned into a big thing. So it was it's interesting because you might be stepping in with them at a teenage level but you're not at the teenage parental level Mm -hmm. so i'm still only four years in maybe to understanding kids and you've got 10 years on me 11 years on me right (laughs) it was quite the learning experience well and that's
0: the other thing is once they understand the dynamics and the relationships involved it seems oftentimes that the children especially if they're preteen teenagers Mm -hmm. 20s whatever and they get it is that they want that other parental type there in their life. Mm-hmm. And they want to feel like, oh, now I have three parents or five parents or seven parents.
1: Someone else I can go to when I want to go to Planned Parenthood or something. <laughs> Until they get
0: into trouble. Right. And then that card is pulled. You're not
2: my
1: real dad.
2: Right. <laughs> That's how it is a lot at my house with my tween daughter. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that got
1: shouted at me. And I was like, I was yeah, never trying I to hear... be your mom.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I actually have never had the experience of being a step-parent.
1: Oh,
2: mm-hmm. true.
0: I've always been the biological.
2: Dee has four children as well. They are all teens or, or older, like your kids. However, he doesn't have active relationships with any of them due to bad splits with their mothers. So though I could be in a step-parent role, I don't get to experience that at all. Yeah. So it's kind of an odd way to be. Yeah interesting
0: and I don't envy step parent types in any way (laughs) because I think that they get hosed pretty hard now it goes back to what I was asking before the sidetrack titles and names yeah I think that one of the most common titles that you would get for non-biological parents I've often seen Uncle Mm so-and-so or Aunt so-and-so. Right, like I said earlier.
2: Mm -hmm. How much
0: confusion does that actually cause? If they have actual aunts and uncles (laughs) and they don't see Aunt Trudy making out with Dad Jeff, (laughs) but then they see Dad Jeff's partner, Uncle Mike, making out with Dad Jeff. Right. right? Right. Where's the confusion? And at what point is the ease of a comfortable title... Mm -hmm causing more problems than the honesty of a real title
1: well and i think too it's different like you'll see families with super close friends right oh that's uncle bob over there right who's just a real close family friend right the difference is that close family friend isn't making out with mom so you can give like an aunt and uncle title and later on when they're older explain that yeah that's just a close Super close family friend that was easier to call him Uncle Bob, but it changes when it's an intimate relationship, mm-hmm. and you see them doing things with your parents that, like you said, the other aunts and uncles don't right. do. Right. That
2: leads into the question too: is your choice of how public you are with that with that secondary or that other poly relationship mm-hmm. in front of your children? So, right. do you call them aunt and uncle, but you treat them platonic when your children are around? Right. You know, I think aunt and uncle is maybe a moot point if they're nest another nesting partner. Right, right. kind of have to.
1: So if you treat them like an aunt and uncle,
2: right. I but think...
0: again, it goes <laughs> back to your little conspirators. They will eventually deduce this. Oh, sure,
2: because they watch you You are not
0: raising <laughs> children. You're raising young Sherlock Holmes. <laughs>
2: I think the age definitely comes into play too whereas like my five year old son could not care less who mom's (laughs) making out with because girls are icky and who cares so I think it is you know girls versus boys three versus twelve that kind of thing
1: true so getting back where we originally started was with those different dynamics where you've got the existing we only started with the existing pre-made family that then opens up
0: so so you have the two couples they're all four coupled together
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and then they decide to want to have a child with a scenario like that
1: so with a multi a
0: quad right a triad a a quad anything bigger multiple partner pod and after they've been established now they want to have children Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: right and that's that's, not anything i have experience with as i am not having any more children right and neither (laughs) am i so like
1: i'll never be part of it
0: but that's a very common thing that does happen it is. in polyamory in fact i think we know somebody who just went through something like that last year where there was a triad and one of them had a child without going into details too much on because we've already hit a lot of personal details yeah. somewhere let's talk about some experiences that people have had in general
1: well i know i've seen some there's somebody that i know who was a hinge and she had two boyfriends and she wanted a son or a kid from each from each of them she wanted her kids to have or her her partners to each father a child okay so that was on in their family plan kind of a thing and they were a closed v so they weren't dating anybody outside it was just the three of them Uh living together but they both wanted to be dads and she was planning to have a kid from each of them, and they were going to raise it that way.
0: Well, there are some examples. Yeah. There was a Canadian court that had granted three adults in a polyamorous relationship equal parenting rights to a child. Wow. It is a very recent thing that has happened. And actually, kind of revolutionary, because also in Canada, a woman in an unmarried polyamorous relationship with two men since 2015... Gave birth to a child, according to Canada's Financial Post. The triad claimed the father was unknown. After the birth, the Newfoundland Ministry of Service refused to designate uh-huh. all three adults as parents because Canada's Vital Statistics Act allowed only two parents on a birth certificate. Interesting. So there's this newer case that kind of okay. went against that
1: case. Right, yeah. case.
0: Right, so when you're getting ready to have a child... And say there's four of you and you all want to be the parent. These are things that you need to look into before uh-huh. the day of birth.
1: And again, look into your local laws. <laughs> Correct. Right.
2: And not just your local laws, but apparently the vital statistics requirements yes. for yeah. birth certificates. Interesting. Which are issued by counties.
1: Right. Well, you know, and I've, I've heard it done where, like, you take the name of a certain, like, one's listed as the biological father but we're going to take the name of this one or like they mix things up. So that way everyone's got a hand in raising this child Mm -hmm. on paper, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. So there's, and there's a lot of things that go into it because as an example, let's just say the open V Mm -hmm. let's say that she's not married to either of the men. Right. She,
1: and you're talking legally government married, government (laughs) married.
0: Right. What the government would recognize. Because ultimately, when you start bringing children into a relationship, you're also talking about taxes, which means government. Government's always looking for a reason to get involved in your life. Right. And they're going to do that through children and they're going to do that through marriage. Yep. When you go to have a child and you want to say the government has no right in this, they're going to tell you otherwise and they're going to win. Yeah. So, when you're going into it with that open V scenario, say she has these children, she's not married to either one of them. What happens if there's a medical emergency? She needs some government assistance for a couple of months. They're going to go after the unwed other parent for child support to pay back what she needed, when in all reality, his income is already being factored into what she's doing.
1: Right, right. So, is there an amicable. Couple. Right. Right. Even so, if they're not amicable, yeah. we'll go after them.
0: <laughs> this is something that, as we talked about in the very beginning, be fully aware of how you plan to go forward. A family plan, you a mentioned. A family
1: plan. Family
0: Try plan. to build and develop and maintain a really strong family plan, factoring in parts, of X-factor stuff yeah. like this.
1: Well, it makes me wonder, and this is totally hypothetical, me just throwing shit off the wall here. Again, having no expertise in this field, (laughs) legal or anything. What if she married one, divorced him, wrote up a parenting plan in the divorce. Okay. And then married the other one, divorced him, and had a parenting plan all set up with financial stuff and all this stuff. So that way she never legally has to be married to them forever, you know, if she doesn't want to. But she's got court documentation that says they are paying this amount or they're doing this or they're whatever it is because I don't know the legal stuff on it. So that way she's no longer legally married. She's got two kids, two different dads. They're still involved. I don't know.
0: It's the same thing. It goes back to if she needs assistance or does programs where they will go after the unwed other partner divorced or not wed in the first place is the same thing
2: it depends though if they're paying the mandated because in washington state uh the state determines how much child support the the other parent has to pay whether it's the male or the female whoever makes more has to contribute to the other parent as far as who is caring for the child like where the child lives more often they balance all that out you can't make a parenting plan that is stronger than the state's requirements. You can't opt out of child support if, you're, if your numbers aren't right. Therefore, you really need to either consult an attorney mm-hmm. to make sure that you're doing the best thing, or even a financial advisor to let you know how to best benefit your tax situation, because taxes do come into play when you're talking children, yeah. to best... Support your parent, your parental situation so you don't ever risk the state interfering with your child right. situation in your family. Well, so what we're saying is find your local resources. Right, <laughs> right 100%. <laughs> Educate thyself. <Yeah>.
1: Well,
0: <laughs> and one of those resources is a big factor when you start considering school life.
1: Well, I think that's where we're going to stop it this week. We've got a lot to cover still, so come back next week. Join us. Tune back in.
0: We hope that you're finding value in this conversation, and we hope that it provides you with some insight or just different opinions or views on how to parent as a polyamorous person.
1: Especially since we've got three different points of view, some with older kids, younger kids, and no kids. So hopefully you're getting a little bit something from all angles.
0: And if you would like to talk more about it, you know where to find us. At any rate... We will talk to you more about this next week. Yep. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Bye. Thank you for talking your Polly off with Bella. And Monsena. You can find our Facebook page in the links.
0: Or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page, "Polyamory get your heart on.
1: You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares.
0: If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepoly.org. We would love to hear from you.
1: That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepoly.org.
0: That's singular podcast, not plural.
1: So until our next discussion, Polly M fam.
0: Live like there's no tomorrow.
1: Laugh until it hurts. And and love love without without limits. limits.